Hello, this is Jacob Lukowitz, and welcome to this week's episode of What the Dev on serverless architectures. Serverless adoption has been growing rapidly as the market begins to mature and as applications continue to shift in the direction of containers and microservices. To find out more, I spoke to Austin Collins, the founder and CEO of Serverless Inc. You know, whenever I talk about serverless or think about serverless, um, I'm always thinking about it from the architecture perspective rather than the compute. I think the compute is pretty powerful, but every single day we've got thousands and thousands of users building out entire applications where Lambda or Google Cloud Functions or Azure Functions is just a piece of that story. Now it's a super important piece because that's where they put it in their custom business logic, but it's all it's it's all the other things, all the other services that I think cloud providers are going to continue to ship that are really where the magic is and bringing all these things together to make effectively an application that has the lowest total operational cost. I think everybody wants to use serverless cloud infrastructure because when you tell you know the developer or you tell um, the director, VP or CTO, hey, we're going to give you software that's auto scaling and scales down to zero so you never have to pay for idle. It's going to be software with the lowest possible operational cost. Uh, they love that. Um, and they want to use all these new next generation cloud services that offer that. Unfortunately, a lot of teams have trouble putting those pieces together to make a whole application. Mm -hmm. So that's right where we came in. That was the problem we solved uh, back in 2015 when serverless framework, our flagship software, the open source framework uh, came out. And it was putting all those pieces together and just offering a zero friction serverless application development experience. And then from there we realized, you know, there's a great, there's great efficiency in this architecture, but still a lot of people have a hard time putting all these services together to make a whole. And it's not just a development problem, but it's a troubleshooting kind of monitoring debugging problem, you know, a testing problem, a security problem as well. Because it is a whole new way of architecting your software. It's not just, you know, putting everything in a container, you're using a lot of these cloud services and composing them together. Uh, and while they may be super efficient, there is some complexity in how you develop and manage them. Uh, as your application and team scales. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing are some of the, the biggest things that companies, you know, moving over to serverless are, uh, or what functionalities are they expecting the most? Um, as far as use cases, uh, right now it is APIs. Absolutely. If you're building out a REST API, a GraphQL API, or just some you know, single microservices or something, or even a monolithic application, uh, at this time, the serverless infrastructure is so mature, so powerful, and it's actually getting a lot cheaper that you have to have a pretty good reason to want to build that on a more complex technology stack. I mean, if your organization is really focused on reducing operational costs, you know, increasing innovation, and really just focusing on product and business problems rather than infrastructure problems, like you've got to have a good reason to not build an API on mm -hmm. serverless cloud infrastructure now. So APIs, absolutely. Data processing jobs, streaming or batch jobs, uh, again, this infrastructure is so mature and so scalable right now that that is, um, I'd say most invocations of serverless compute are for data processing jobs, mm -hmm. whereas most projects are for APIs right now. So we see that every day and we're kind of at the vantage point of an application framework. So we know exactly how people are using this stuff. Um, additionally, then there's, those are the two big areas. And then there's kind of a lot of event-driven jobs, anything that where you just need to spin up some compute real quick in response to something that happens, uh, scheduled jobs. And then there's a handful of other new emerging use cases like 
you know, compute, uh, serverless computing in the edge, um, you know, step functions, uh, um, just a handful of new things, which are still early. But uh, I, th I think to kind of jump into the question of perhaps where, where this is going is I think what we're looking at here is just the second wave of cloud uh, as it evolves to be an abstraction over infrastructure. And it's a pretty uh, interesting question to ask, like, hey, what, is that, what does that look like exactly? I mean, cloud was always meant to be this abstraction over the physical hardware uh, to reduce the operational burden of companies trying to build software, right? Mm -hmm. And it needs to evolve and it's going to evolve. And the question is, what, is that, what does that actually look like at the end of the day? Is it kind of containers? Is it Kubernetes? Um, our hypothesis is that it's not. It's actually, um, we think the future of cloud is going to be focused on outcomes, mm -hmm. uh, where you're going to have managed services, serverless services, APIs as a service that solve business problems and give you immediate outcomes, solutions, where you're not even thinking about the infrastructure at all, right? Mm -hmm. And it is going to be more of a, a, a serverless architecture taking over the mainstream because you're going to be uh, easily able to compose all these APIs as a service, all these serverless services to make outcomes that are auto scaling and never pay for idle. And it's going to continue, and these services are going to continue to focus on these, these solutions and outcomes. And we think, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, our framework is vendor agnostic. Uh, I, I'm speaking with um, every major public cloud provider uh, pretty regularly. And, I, I, you know, I think AWS has definitely done a great job here in, in leading that story. And what we've seen them do is just ship and flood the market with so many different cloud services that all have serverless characteristics, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we think they're going to continue to do this. Like, you're going to log into the AWS dashboard and increasingly all of those, you know, hundreds of services now are going to increasingly have serverless qualities, especially the new services that they're going to ship. It's just becoming um, uh, table stakes for a cloud service. And that's why we kind of think of it as the second wave of cloud and the evolution of cloud, where I think almost at this point or in the near future, we're just going to see kind of serverless and cloud kind of merge into this, mm -hmm. this like into cloud again, right? right. Um, and you're just going to go, you're going to see all these APIs as a service, all these you know, service, ser serverless services for doing all types of cool outcomes and use cases. And you're not really going to think anything about infrastructure, really. Uh, you're not going to ask Amazon for a virtual machine. You're going to ask Amazon, what's in this image? <laughs> what is the emotion in this uh, string of text? And that seems right, because those are the problems that businesses are actually trying to solve at the end of the day, right? right. So um, you know, we think this is uh, you know, nat naturally the logical evolution of the cloud. Uh, <clears throat> it's going to be great for businesses, right? Because again, it helps them focus on outcomes, on business problems. And then it's great for developers too, uh, to be frank, because I look at this and the developer in me just sees the greatest building blocks of all time, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> There's all these services, APIs as a service, that I can easily put together to make all types of things. And, and the empowerment, the productivity, the creativity that comes out of that is, uh, um, is just, a, uh, it's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if we, if we think the serverless wave of cloud, you know, uh, fully materializes, Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see rapid innovation, all types of great stuff come out. It's going to be, it's going to be an exciting time. Right. So, in what time frame do you think that it's going to, you know, serverless is going to have this ubiquity that it's going to start becoming synonymous with, you know, just cloud computing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I, I started off um, on, on that rant when you asked me about use cases. And the way I look at it is um, it's, it's just serverless is just going to eat use cases one at a time, mm-hmm. right, on the cloud. Um, if you look at the infrastructure, you know, the, the, the few biggest challenges of like mainstream serverless adoption is number one, maturity of the serverless infrastructure, right? There's just a handful of things that it needs to be able to do to be able to appeal to all the existing use cases out there, right? And it's been, it's been, uh, it's taken a while for the cloud providers to, to make sure that their serverless cloud infrastructure is robust enough to handle all those different use cases. So slowly they're maturing it. And even last year's um, AWS reInvent, I'd say was a significant milestone because not only did AWS continue to kind of deliver a lot of great functionality on the market, but they really went back and they solved just some key issues with the serverless infrastructure. Uh, three biggest things to watch there were, number one, um, provision concurrency. So there's always been this cold start issue with, uh, with functions as a service where if the function doesn't get called within a specific duration, there's a, a small performance penalty when it gets called the next time. And it's been reduced significantly. It'll continue to just go away. But AWS allows you to actually reserve um, some capacity so that users never run into that cold start. And that's been a long-standing challenge uh, with serverless. Second, they uh, cut the cost of their API Gateway product by 50% and sped up the performance by 2x uh, by basically coming out with a new API Gateway. So now, if you know serverless already, the most projects were built uh, were APIs. But now that they've done this, I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see twice as many APIs being built now this year and, and um, you know, the following years. And then lastly, the biggest thing that is pretty astonishing is that there's never been a great database story for the serverless architecture. Um, and the problem is serverless compute cannot um, <clears throat> scales uh, too much for a lot of traditional databases to handle. Right, a lot of traditional databases require you have to establish a connection, and um, unfortunately, when you have stateless compute like AWS Lambda, that could just scale massively in parallel and only kind of have a single process. Um, every single one of those functions, if it scales massively, each one is going to try and establish a database connection to you know your MySQL or Postgres or. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just going to crash that database. A lot of these database technologies can't have so many simultaneous connections. And so they'll either crash the database or definitely have a performance penalty because they've got to establish that connection first before they can interact with the database to do any work. So there's been this huge problem where um, serverless architecture hasn't had a great database story other than DynamoDB and some new options that are coming out on the market. Uh, What really needs to happen here is there needs to be just HTTP APIs and part of these database technologies mm-hmm. so that serverless, the compute can just scale massively and interact with a API, you know, some type of interface that can scale with the serverless compute. So AWS has started to come out with this and other cloud providers are doing it. It's a data gateway concept where you have kind of some middleware in between your serverless compute and your database, your traditional database technology that provides that HTTP interface. Uh, AWS's version of this is, um, called RDS proxy, but uh, it's just, this story is just getting started, but uh, the lack of a great database offering has been um, a huge problem. And now some other cloud providers, Tencent, actually, I think they just announced they have a serverless Postgres offering too. So we'll see more database technologies kind of change to work well with serverless compute. But when you look back at just the past five years or so, 
we've made all this progress, um, all this traction, without having a great story for MySQL or Postgres or all the you know the 90% of the mainstream database technology that companies have been using for decades. You know, infrastructure immaturity has been the number one issue, and that is rapidly changing and is taking over one use case at a time. Whenever they make um, the service a little bit more scalable, you know, a little bit more functional, they inherit a new use case that is now perfect for serverless, right? So that's the thing to watch there. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just <clears throat> software is eating the world, cloud is eating software, I guess, and kind of serverless is eating cloud. Right? Mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's one way to look at it. A big cliche, I guess, is that I'm kind of tired of those eating the world things, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, it's a way to look yeah. at it. And it yeah, and it's um, it's just a, a use. You know, it'll it'll devour one use case at a time until it devours the cloud uh, mm -hmm. completely. And that's all that's happening here. Like uh, I started our company as a solo founder. I had mm -hmm. no idea that serverless was going to be a major category. I recognized the implication and the power of the technology and kind of what was happening of this um, of this cloud transformation. Mm -hmm. But it was so it was all speculative in the early days. And people. I remember in 2015, I would say like, I'm gonna call my company serverless and we're gonna like just build out these applications, help people build out these applications that we call serverless and stuff. And there was so much, um, there was just a lot of negative feedback. Hmm. <laughs> Back in those days, it was like, why would you call that? It's a silly name, it doesn't make any sense. And um, they like go through the whole journey of like, oh, now there's this whole major category um, and like mainstream architectural pattern and stuff. Uh, now it just results in these, these interesting interactions. Um, but um, anyway, so as far as, you know, what's next for the kind of serverless, the category and for the trend? Um, let's see, so much. I think... Uh, like, is there anything still that, um, you know, is, is preventing some from moving towards it? Yeah, the, the biggest thing, number one, infrastructure immaturity, um, that is being fixed every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is going to be the tooling. Uh, and that is, to be frank, that's our company's problem that we're trying to solve. Right. Because look, this is, a, uh, this is the most efficient software. If you want to deliver software with the lowest operational cost, you know, if you're looking to do something with uh, uh, a smaller engineering team, less operational costs, and innovate uh, more, and then actually deliver more, then this is the perfect architecture for you. However, it's a new architecture, and a lot of people have a hard time putting these pieces together, right? So um, it's really the tooling's job to fix this, and that's kind of that's how we started our journey. Um, and all we're trying to do here, to be frank, is just give developers an application experience that they were used to before all these different serverless cloud services came around, right? So um, there's a lot of things that are different for developers and teams. Like, for example, if you're actually working on these serverless services in the cloud, like there's no local experience. There's so many developers are used to just spinning up a thing locally on their machine and hacking on it for a little while, but these these things only exist on the cloud, right? So right. just like, it totally shifts your whole mindset on how you work on these applications. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's something that we're solving right now. Uh, we've actually uh, just delivered a technology that uh, reduces deployment speed to around three seconds. And if you think about like what is the reason, um, uh, like what is the big friction point for like working on these big cloud services? It is uh, the feedback loop, and that's like if a developer has to wait, you know, 60 seconds 
uh, to, to see the results of their change, if they have to wait 60 seconds to deploy that change to the cloud, just to see if their single line of code mm -hmm. that they modified actually made any difference, that is a very slow, tedious developer process. I mean, that's like if you're writing your article, you write a sentence, and then you have to go, you write like a word even, then you have to go like take a break for at least 60 seconds up to five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, that just kills flow. And, you know, flow is one of the most important things for makers and, and creators, whether right. they're a, a developer or a writer or, or anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so we've just delivered a technology uh, in serverless framework that reduces deployment speed to around three seconds. And so what we're doing here, and, and in addition to that, uh, you can just use your CLI um, to do fast deployments to the cloud. And then we also stream logs and errors to your CLI in real time instantly. Because the other part was very slow deployments and then very slow and tedious to find the logs to actually see what happened when your code was broken. So mm -hmm. all that stuff has been a major uh, friction point. It's just due to bad tooling at the end of the day. So um, we just released technology uh, called serverless components. And you deploy in, in three seconds, and it streams logs and errors immediately to your CLI. So it allows developers to work on the real cloud services, but the experience around it looks and feels local, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is what the, the, the tools need to do in this area, and that is like, let developers use these next generation super efficient cloud services, but give them an experience that they're, they're used to. So they don't have to go rethink how they do software development and even architecture applications at the end of the day. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's the second biggest friction point, and um, it's tooling, and that's you know that's what we focus on every day. And then third is just the cultural transformation. Um, this is uh, the, you know this requires a, a bit of change in terms of like how engineering teams and organizations are are structured to some extent. You know we're seeing small developer teams deploy thousands of functions and be able to operate them, uh, and this and they're owning more of the stuff that they're delivering. Mm -hmm. And so what is this, how does this kind of trend play out in an organization that might have a totally separate development team from an operations team, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's everyone's role to play in this new world? And there's a huge role for operations teams um, to really enable those developers. Um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just gonna take a bit of uh, time for that, that change to play out. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Well, that's all the questions that I have. Um, is there anything that you else that you feel is important to add that I haven't asked about? Um, <clears throat> you know, th those are uh, those are the high level thoughts. I, I think mm -hmm. if if anything, I don't know if you're going to touch on this in your article, um, but you know, one thing that we ask a lot at our company, and I think about this all the time lately, mm -hmm. is just like. You know, we're, it looks like we're, we're heading into a, a deep recession, uh, potentially. And I keep thinking about, like, what is, you know, what are our organizations going to respond to uh, economic downturn um, when it comes to how they build and deliver software? And uh, I think this is a pretty interesting time for serverless, actually. Um, I wonder if we're going to see a lot of, I don't, and I don't know if we're going to touch on this article, but it's, uh, um, it's probably, you know, uh, pretty timely. I think a lot yeah, of people definitely. are thinking about this right now. But, All uh, that's really circulating in the news right now, so it is it is important for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, per personal prediction, um, but I think we're going to see a lot more consolidation on cloud. Mm -hmm. 
I think um, I think the theme is companies are going to be looking to do more with less, right? And that's going to involve you know smaller engineering teams potentially and outsourcing a lot of what they used to do in house more than ever to cloud providers, right? Um, because just to maintain that to pay you know operational costs, capex, opex, um, it, there's there's a lot there. So I wonder if we'll see more, even more outsourcing to the cloud, more consolidation on the cloud. And if you're really to if you're looking to deliver the most efficient software uh, on the cloud, and it's it's going to be serverless at the end of the day, right? I mean, if you have smaller engineering teams, you want to put stuff out there that has the the lowest total cost of ownership, so that those teams aren't worried about infrastructure problems every day. Again, they're focused on innovation and productivity. Serverless is the best game in town right now. So I. Um, yeah, I think that's this definitely is a remarkably yeah an interesting thing that, yeah. that I think I, I will touch on in the article. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's a remarkably recession-proof uh, architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we'll see. I, I have uh, you know, we're certainly engaged in a in a lot more conversations these days where we're kind of increasingly being perceived as a, a hedge for Kubernetes in general. Mm -hmm. And that is like, hey, this, you know, this is a very interesting technology, you know, building and maintaining Kubernetes in-house. Um, but what what is the what does it look like if this doesn't work out, right? Mm -hmm. What is what is kind of plan B? Um, it's going to be cloud. And if our hypothesis here is true. The cloud increasingly looks serverless, right? So uh, we're in a lot more conversations about, you know, how to do more with less these days. And then also is like this kind of, I think we've always been a hedge bet against Kubernetes, but I'd say those conversations have definitely accelerated in the last month. I believe that's all the time we have for today. A big thanks to Austin for providing all this insight and thank you to everyone who's listening. Be sure to check out all of our episodes of What the Dev on our SD Times website or on your favorite podcast listening platform. See you next week.